you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. What's up, friends? Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Our Kind of Pod. Fun show this week with Stin, as always. Had a good mix of hardcore info, opinion, and outright goofiness as we broke down the Pac-12 championship game, peeked ahead at Ohio State, peeked behind the curtain at the Pac-12 headquarters, and much more. Be sure to rate and review. Those are dope and help increase the odds that one day Chipotle sponsors this podcast. Check us out on Spotify as well. Enjoy it. Welcome back to our kind of pod. Thank you, uh, as always, Stan, for doing this. This is uh, it's a long season, but it pays off when you uh, end up in a situation where you're in the freaking Rose Bowl. How about it? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, maybe the best uh, scenario we could have really asked for when you look at the idea of going up against a number one Alabama team as if you were a number four team going into the playoffs. So, uh yeah, I'll take the Rose Bowl instead. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a weird consolation prize because you know ten and three after the Cal game, you're like, what the hell's going on? But uh, just kind of the way it's all shaped up, uh, I would take this, I think, in a heartbeat, uh, with a chance to to really you know prove ourselves against Ohio State. Uh, so that's cool. It was uh, it was fun environment for the Pac-12 championship. I don't know where you watched it, but shouts out to the. Uh, the Boston UW alumni chapter. I finally found you guys. You were hiding from me. Oh, nice. Um, that was for, the first time you've joined them. Yeah, yeah. They were uh, they're a covert group, and I think they're just starting to uh, to gain strength in numbers. It's like one of those post apocalyptic <laughs> movies where there's like a yeah, you know, like like a, a rebel squad hanging out under undercover. Um, sure. So we went to the Hub Pub in, uh, in downtown Boston. Hub Pub was a not great to be time. confused with the Dub Pub. Correct in Kirkland. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that was intentional, yeah. but uh, but yeah, yeah Hub, Hub Pub treated us well. Didn't charge me for one of the drinks. I think that was totally an accident. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> and just just so the fine folks at home know, the uh, the mice that you see on Yelp on the Hub Pub, totally underrated. Uh, they are really nice mice. I think that they were hospitable uh, and and really fine creatures. And, and I, I don't understand why they're getting so much flack for for having mice in their in their building. Yeah, I mean, you know, with any opportunity to make a new friend, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like when you know, when when more people come to you, you build a bigger table, right? You don't you don't push them away. So <laughs> yeah, uh, come on, we're yeah. inclusive here. <laughs> exactly, but uh, but yeah, the game was fun. I sat next to some dude from from Edmonds who was in town and his wife. Um, so that was fun. Uh, the Byron Murphy show was 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 really something to behold. That was as about as good of a, a def- individual defensive performance as as I can remember. Yeah, he uh, he got named uh, to Kirk Herbstreit's top five individual players after the weekend, and uh, he is currently the number one rated corner uh, on Pro Football Focus for their coverage rating. So yeah, he is having one hell of a game or season, I should say. And uh, this this past Friday night's game it was no exception. Yeah, it reminds me of like one of those. Uh, Mason Foster level performances back in the day where it was just like one mm-hmm. one dude single-handedly won a game for us on defense. Um, so it was fun. The pick six obviously was was much needed. Uh, it was kind of, I, I thought of this as I was writing up for, for this pod, it was kind of our version of what Cal did to us 
Uh, except oh, we, yeah. we switched our quarterback out on purpose, whereas Utah did theirs uh, via injury. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, angle there, but I can see it. Yeah, once that pick six happened, we just they had no no ability to uh, to to come out over on top on that. So uh, it was a defensive slog, but uh, that's kind of the best part about this team is how good this defense is, and they can come up in sure in big moments like that. And now we play Ohio State, which should be fun. You and I will both be there at the Rose Bowl. Uh, I have a lot of buddies that will be there as well, including some Ohio State fans. So this should be, uh, should be quite the homecoming uh, for a lot of people nice. at at, uh, at Pasadena. Can't wait for that. Uh, but let's break down that game, break down the the Pac-12 uh, in our normal four downs here, and we're going to start with that defense, which has just been so great, both you know qualitatively and quantitatively. Uh, we're going to focus on the quantitative here. With a, a little stats bomb, I forget what we did this for. Oh yeah, earlier in the year, you know, you you, you curl up in a bathtub and you, you drop a stats bomb in there, see the fizzes, the bubbles come up, <laughs> uh, you know, all the zeros and ones get crunched. Uh, little stats oh, yeah. bomb. So we'll go back and forth with just some uh, some numbers about this defense. Uh, why don't you fire the opening salvo here for for sure numbers detailing just how good we have it. I, I would love to. Uh, first of all, I'll I'll touch on this past Friday's game. Uh, UW defense holding the Utah Utes to 188 yards, which is very impressive. 51 rushing yards. Um, but one stat I wanted to bring up is more on a seasonal uh, basis here, and it's the points per game allowed by UW's defense over the past four or five years. Uh, there's been so much talk over the last couple of years about how good that 2016 defense was. Um, and we also, I think, debated it in a past podcast as well. Uh, this defense is averaging less points per game allowed than that 2016 defense. The 2018 defense is only allowing 15.5 points per game. Uh, 2017 defense allowed 16.1. And that semifinals uh, 2016 defense allowed 17.7. Um, going back even further, 2015, 18.8 points per game, 2014, 24.8 points per game. So there's been a nice downward trend, um, which makes you wonder, can they go even Mm -hmm. lower than that next season? My first reaction is no, but players like Ben Burkirvan came out of nowhere. So why can't there be one of those type of players on our roster right now? That's a that's a good one there, and I, and I think that that begs the question of, you know, it's something that that uh, Jimmy Lake listening to this podcast would love to clip that part of it and to uh, to add that to his his growing resume of of, uh, sure. of of details about how well his his defense has been performing uh, since he's been a part of it. Um, yeah, I think that, that that's kind of interesting to think about, and certainly with the the talent that we have talked about leaving this program, most of it is on defense, uh, apart from Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin and Jake Browning. So it's going to be hard to replace not just a guy like BBK, but then you know your your odds of replacing him and Greg Gaines and Jalen Johnson and Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp. Like it's going to be tough to get that production. Jordan Miller, yeah, Jordan Miller, yeah. JoJo McIntosh, uh, getting all of that back. Tevis Bartlett, you know, it's just going to be tough. Yep. Even if you got eighty percent of all of that back, that's a huge drop off. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be a different type of team next year. But that's something we will certainly cover. Uh, at a later date, but yeah, interesting to think that uh, that you know we had it pretty good two years ago, and it's only gotten to get better for at least from a scoring perspective since then. Um, sure. 
talking about just how good this this defense is. Uh, the, there's two better than than uh, than UW in this conference according to ESPN's def- def- defensive efficiency ratings. Uh, Utah, wow. well, UW is 15th in that in that metric. Okay. Uh, Utah is 13th, and then Cal is eighth. Uh, so Cal obviously gave us all okay. kinds of trouble in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, but thinking that you know we we had our struggles against Utah, who by the numbers is even a better defense uh, than than what UW has. Yeah, I mean, the, it, at first that surprised me to hear we were third, but now that you mentioned those two teams, I mean those are those are great defenses. Um, I would be curious to see it from a more of a raw number standpoint, like yards and points, mm-hmm. um, just because I know there's a lot going into those efficiency standpoints and uh, by no means saying we shouldn't look at those, but uh, I wonder if we top them in those yards or points. So I think we top them in points for sure, because we're fifth best in the country. I, I'd be surprised if a points per game allowed is one of the, those teams is better in that category than the Huskies. Um 12th best in the country at yards per game allowed at 302. So um, that looks more possible. I'll look these up. But, uh, yeah, overall, I mean, we're splitting hairs here. This is, all three defenses are outstanding, and um, I would not trade ours for theirs. <laughs> it might also have a, a little bit to do with the quality of the offenses in the conference. Um, contributing True. a little bit to that to that statistic is having three teams in one conference in the top fifteen, uh, but uh, let's not look too too hard into that because that might get a little depressing. No. Um, <laughs> what's uh, what's your next uh, next bullet in the chamber for this one? Uh, well, I saw this over the weekend. Um, Utah only got as close to UW's end zone as our thirty six yard line during that game, which I thought was incredible, and they didn't even reach our own half of the field, UW's half of the field, until their first drive of the second half, which ended up being their only points of the game, a field goal. So um, just to hold a team in their own half for the whole first half is incredible. And then not even get within 15 yards of the red zone the whole game is even more incredible. Um, it would probably take too much to go look look into that, but I'd be curious to know when the last time when is the last time the Huskies defense was able to hold a team uh, outside of their own 35 for the entirety of a game yeah pretty pretty remarkable that's pretty that's pretty wild I like that one uh in uh the last three seasons there's only been three other teams in addition to UW uh to allow 4.6 yards per play or less uh if you if you follow my logic there, that okay. UW has allowed either four point six or four point five yards per play each of the last three mm-hmm. years. Only other only, there's only been three other teams to do that. Uh, do you want to guess who those three teams are? And sorry, what was the time frame again? The last three seasons. Okay, I mean, is Alabama one of them? Alabama is one of them. Uh, what year? What year? By the way, this is, is that 2016, 2016, 2017, and 2018. Oh, it's a combined. Got it. Okay, Alabama. Um, I want to say Michigan because of this year, but I don't feel like their defense has been great, necessarily amazing. You should have trusted your the guys. last two years. Michigan. Okay, so it is Michigan. Okay, I can't remember how good they were the last two years, but I know they're probably the best defense in the country this season. And then three. Ooh. 
is it like Georgia, maybe? It is Clemson. So oh, I should have taken that. Thinking about how uh, how talented those three teams are and how well coached those three teams yeah. are uh, for UW to be oh. that consistent in at least that metric uh, and several others is is a nice nice coup. Oh yeah, that's very nice. Do you have anything else? I've, um, I I could go all day. That's not true. I could go for yeah. like another four minutes, but yeah, lay lay a couple on me. <laughs> all right, I'm so. All ears. Football Outsiders, uh, they've been big friends of ours throughout the the season as I've kind of delved into some some more stuff here. Uh, football Outsiders has a bunch of really cool nerdy stats about football that help you explain things that I think are intuitive um, or you can see, but then they have specific uh, metrics, for, metrics for that. So Football Outsiders mm-hmm. is a metric that tracks uh, explosiveness because explosiveness, uh, there's been this article written about it a couple, three, four years ago that like, explosive plays are essentially the three pointers of football. Like that's, that's what allows you to, uh, to get out of these long drives and really get efficiency, efficiency into your offense is having big chunk sure. plays. So there's a, I was kind of thinking as we're preparing for this podcast about how, uh, how little big plays UW gives up this season. And I was like, I wonder if I can find a specific metric to show that football mm-hmm. outsiders has this metric and it's nice. mar- marginal explosiveness, which is basically the number of yards you give up relative to what's expected for down and distance and, um, and you know, point in the game and all of these different things. UW is number one in the country in explosiveness on defense, meaning that they allow less yards per play than is expected than any other team in the country, um, which is a really, really interesting number. Um, and kind of coupled with that last stat there just shows you that uh, they are so consistent in not allowing big plays uh, that 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 kind of carries over into to both of those. But that's that's a big part of of why this defense has been successful, in spite of the fact that they haven't been very good at getting uh, getting pressure, forcing turnovers this season. Uh, so limiting explosive plays is the reason this defense can be successful. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I know that we've had barely any this season. I was just too hung up on the fact it was called marginal explosiveness and it seemed to uh, describe my athletic uh, <laughs> superiority or lack thereof very well. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's too bad. Uh, too bad we didn't get our Turkey Bowl matchup where you and I get to trade off doing the drill Revis against Calvin Johnson impression um, for, <laughs> yeah. for 40 okay. minutes until everyone gets gassed and then we decide to go home. Um, <laughs> another one, With nothing to show for it. Exactly. Another one, uh, related to all that and related to how bad, how, how, uh, unsuccessful UW has been in creating, uh, kind of, uh, pressure on the quarterback this year. UW is 111th in sack rate, which is out of 130 teams. Not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, borderline bad. And they are 67th in another football outsiders stat called havoc rate. Uh, and havoc rate is like basically how often you create tackles for loss, uh, passes defended, forced fumbles, uh, those types mm. of things that just create, you know, just straight Geico commercial chaos. And they, uh, so they're, they're 67th in the country in havoc rate with about 16%. Um, and so, you know, it, it would be nice to see this team couple their sound fundamentals and limiting explosive plays with, uh, with a little bit more of these. Uh, these turnovers and sacks and pressures uh, that lead to to uh, big plays for the defense. You know, 
it, you would like, like you said, you would like to see those numbers to be a little bit higher. But at the same time, I think that also proves that this defense, especially the secondary, um, is that good where it can stop defense or offenses and hold offenses to do uh, low scoring outputs without getting that pressure that so many teams depend on to actually be effective on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that in some respects even speaks higher to the amazing job that that the linebacking core and the defensive secondary is doing for this defense where they're getting the job done when they're not having that that pressure on the quarterback on every few, you know, every couple plays like a lot of good defenses do get. Yeah. So, um I think I think there's some positives you can almost take away from that in some respects. Yeah, very true. And ima- like imagine what the defense or the, that secondary could do if the quarterbacks were under pressure and throwing bad balls sure. um, as a result, or getting hit as they were throwing. Like that, you know, the the type of chaos that they could create. Um, and another one here that's kind of on the negative side, and we'll end on this and go to the second down. Uh, but UW is 118th in the country in opponents' average drive time, meaning that they are. Uh, doing the the yards per play, it, you know, good good defensively, uh, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of so consistent that uh, opponents are able to sustain drives, and that is kind of uh, a product of that last one. Of if you can't create havoc, if you can't create pressure, uh, and create really third and long situations or turnovers or things like that, uh, opponents are going to be able to move the ball for long periods of time against you, as kind of we've seen against uh, you know in in UW's losses over the last couple of years. That has kind of been the theme sure. of these long backbreaking drives where you just can't get off the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that seemed to be the case like in the UCLA game this season. I yep. remember Stanford last season seemed to be the case too. ASU it's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of that sweet spot where, where it's like offenses for the other team are not trying to overextend themselves and maybe make mistakes, but at the same time they need to, be productive so they're just getting enough they're mm-hmm. you know third third and threes third and threes third and threes yep. um so just need to shave maybe a half a yard or a couple tenths of a yard off of that <laughs> that average and i think we'll be golden yeah yeah it's uh <laughs> it's it's definitely a, a, an imperative to uh to to just help the defense out a little bit and that they're so fundamental and give you so much in front of you um and don't get beat on big plays but you have to supplement that with uh with some big plays yourself and get the ball back to your offense with, with pressure and turnovers. I uh, I just want to, I owe it to our listeners here, so I want to loop back because we're all about the value add mm-hmm. here. Um, just to just to speak on where Cal and Utah rank from a yards per game and points per game standpoint nationally, uh, UW is fifth in points per game, as I mentioned. Utah is 15th and Cal is 24th. Uh, and then from a yards per game standpoint, UW is 12th, Cal is, oh, Utah is 15th, and Cal is 16th. We have about 13 to 17 yards per game on those two teams. So There's... barely squeaking through. So the intangibles are, the, are probably what is driving that uh, defensive efficiency rating up for the other two. Yeah, sacks and, and turnovers have got to be a big part sure. of that to, yep. uh, to, yep. to help help them vault, vault UW when they're ahead of them in scoring in yards. Um, so some work to be done with this defense, but it is uh, it is really something to behold <laughs> when you when you look at it uh, just from a numbers perspective. Who to... are we? Who are we to say there's work to be done with this defense? <laughs> well, <Come on. laughs> I mean, uh, I think if if uh, the defense 
didn't have the the pressure problem that the the Oregon game goes a different way, the Auburn game goes a different sure. way, uh, and sure. the ASU game goes a different way last year. So it's uh it's it's the only it's weakness. Perfection. Exactly, only weakness. <laughs> yes. To second down we go. And this this was something that I was thinking about. Um, my uh, my good buddy Eric Epperson, who you met um, at the Apple Cup or not the Apple Cup, sorry, the Stanford game at halftime. Um, but he sent me a stat that Washington was a good like 250 points above every other conference team in terms of point differential over the last four years. So basically, the Jake Browning era. Um, so Washington plus 524 points in that time, Stanford was plus 287 points at second point, second place. So this You're huge, talking about Pac-12 schools. Yes, yes, yes. Just, just okay. in conference, which mm-hmm. I was just like, that's crazy that we are so heads and tails above the rest of the conference, given that this team was 0-12 a decade ago. And that you and I both remember sure. that season, uh, in painstaking detail, as much as we try and block it out. Um, mm-hmm. so that was like, that got me thinking, a decade away from being 0-12, I wonder how uh, how ahead of the curve we are amongst other teams that have gone 0-12 um, and have tried to rebuild their program from such a such a you know a, a real black mark against them. So, mm-hmm. in case you didn't know, uh, us going 0-12 in the BCS era, so from 1998 on, is in absolutely rare company uh, in Power Five conferences. Oh god! The only other schools to do it. Was Kansas. 1999. Nope. Kansas did it recently. Well, okay. So this is, this is a okay, sorry. qualifier. Go, list them off. I, I, uh, I don't want to break up your, your flow here. But. Yeah. So Kansas did it recently, but Kansas hasn't had 10 years, um, since, since they did it. So Fair. Okay. Only, only schools that have had 10 full seasons plus, uh, or since they went on, since they went winless South Carolina Noted. in 1999 with Lou Holtz at the helm in his first year there. Uh, and then Duke has done it three times. Duke went, oh. Duke went winless in 2000, 2001, and 2006. Other than they that, have basketball. yeah, they, they have a lot of basketball. Uh, so <laughs> we uh, we are in rarefied air for that. So among nice. those teams, UW uh, in our ten year run from 2008 to 2018, we have a full uh, 1.4 wins higher or 14 total wins higher than South Carolina did during that 10-year stretch from 1999 to 2009. UW has won 82 games uh, in total in those 10 years, uh, which is heads and tails above what what South Carolina did, and then obviously heads and tails above what Duke did. Duke went uh, 2.5 wins per uh, per season for the first time, first 10-year cycle, in from 2001 to 2011 and then 5.3 wins uh per the second time from 2006 to 2016 that's just in power five uh you go outside of the power five 12 other schools have gone winless in that time frame the average Mm -hmm. for all schools if you if you go winless uh the average is to win about 5.3 games in the 10 years that you go winless uh, or since you go Mm -hmm. winless the only team that did better than UW in that 10-year stretch or in their 10-year stretch, uh, was 1998 to 2008, University of Hawaii, led by June Jones, Colt Brennan, Devon oh, Bess. Yeah. They won 83 games, which means, if you're if you're following along, that the key differentiator between UW or, or Hawaii having Ooh. the best stretch was a 2007 Hawaii victory over UW that would have given them the nod. Uh, yep. Which uh, that was the most. That was a screwy game too. <laughs> that was after we the were Apple right Cup. there to win it. Yep, 
after the Apple yeah, Cup, Marcel right. Reese went off. Uh, so yeah, that game ended up meaning a whole lot more than uh, than we thought, except it didn't mean anything at all. Um, but the good news is that UW can tie that mark if they beat Ohio State. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, it's kind of it's pretty surreal that we're talking about this right now because anything less than ten wins now is like a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we did couldn't even get one a mere ten years ago is just astounding to me that we have come so far. I mean, a lot of that has to do with um, Chris Peterson, but uh, let's not forget. Steve Sarkeesian, he absolutely is the reason for this this program's turnaround, and he should get almost as much credit, I think, as, as uh, Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson has just completely taken it to a whole new level. But Steve definitely uh, o- is owed some uh, some credit there. Yeah, Steve took got this party started, get got this to a, a seven eight nine win program or, or at that level, and then uh, that Peterson elevated it, which is certainly a different job. Um, but, uh, but yeah, sure. uh, you can't forget what the, the, the ground will at work that, uh, that Sark laid. Let's move on to third down and talk about another deficiency with this team is our inability to end drives with touchdowns. And this got me, uh, got me started early in that game against Utah. We were moving the ball quite well, uh, and then kind of stalled out, ended up going for it on fourth down instead of kicking, uh, couldn't get it. And that was, uh, kind of the theme of just, we couldn't really sustain a long drive uh, to, uh, you know, to score a touchdown, albeit against a good defense as we have covered. Uh, but wh- what's going on there? What's what's your diagnosis for for why this team is struggling so much to actually score touchdowns? I, I was looking at this last night, and I honestly don't know. I don't know if I have a good answer for this. Great. Um, it, it completely befuddles me. Um, for lack of a better term, or uh, maybe that is a pretty great term actually, but um, eight <laughs> yeah, drives. This, it, yeah. <laughs> it's just a weird word. Um, eight drives this past weekend, offensive drives. Seven of them finished in Utah territory, only scored three points. That's just remarkable. Yeah, that's bad. That we, yeah, that really is. I mean, there's a couple issues here. I mean, it. At the end of the day, we're not wanting to go down and just only score field goals, but. We did leave. We did have three drives that would have had sub fifty field goal attempts, um, had we not gone for it on fourth down or th- thrown a pick on third down. Um, I, it would be nice to get a kicker who has a long more than forty yards in their career. I mean, I don't want to speak down on specific players necessarily, but man, that really is hurting us. Mm-hmm. Having you know that first. Was it the first, for sure the first half, maybe even in the first quarter, both times when we got to Utah's 23 and went for it on fourth and didn't get it. And then we got to Utah's 26 and threw a pick on third down. That would have been a 43 yarder as well. Oh, we punted on, uh, I guess it was Utah's 46. So that's a little too far, but you could have definitely had two to three more field goals on the board, assuming they, the kicker makes it. Um, If you had someone out there that could, kick for some mm-hmm. distance so that does hurt but at the same point we're not looking for field, for field goals we're looking for touchdowns did you see anything specific yeah just the all i saw was was just kind of confirming the problem uh it was college football analytics uh which is kind of like the ken palm of of uh of, of football 
has us as 49th in the country in terms of ending drives at a touchdown, 28% of our drives, 28.19 to be specific and obnoxious, mm-hmm. uh, 29.19% of our drives end in a touchdown, uh, top 50 in the country, but certainly not where you want to be if you're an elite uh, offense. Uh, and then uh, Football Outsiders, again, has this nice little stat uh, where they basically say, how, how good are you when you are in true scoring opportunities? True scoring opportunities to them are first when you have a first down inside the opponent's 40-yard line, and that's mm-hmm. a true scoring opportunity. UW gets an average of 4.04 points per one of those, good for 113th in the country. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, that's so, so bad. So bad. So it's it's just this this opportunity where uh, we're getting there, right? I think that, that the, the ability to move it across the 50 – um, is is something, but I think it really comes down to a lack of explosion on the offensive side. We talked about how good this defense is at limiting big plays. This offense has not been great on, on stretching the field, uh, and I think part of that is, right, you don't have a full season of Hunter Bryant. He's clearly your most explosive uh, or biggest sure. mismatch. Uh, guys like mm-hmm. Aaron Fuller, Andre Bacellia, Ty Jones are, are great at kind of moving the chains, methodically moving down or moving the field, uh, but they haven't been able to really break big plays. I mean, the biggest plays of the season have been uh you know long miles gaskin runs like the the long passing touchdown is not really there just the big chunk plays have been missing so in order for us to score it takes long drives and long drives are really hard uh when you are you know you have to sustain success for 12 13 plays on a drive um against Mm -hmm. good defenses so yeah it's it's uh it's it's i i would kind of say that hunter bryant makes a huge difference on this uh but i don't know if that fully explains the problem yeah, I don't know. I mean, it needs to improve. That's for sure. I will say I want to wrap this up on a more positive positive note. That's the uh, glass half full in me talking. Like that. So I I will say that as much as the offense struggled this past weekend, they did. I mean, you've heard the saying, a, a, the best defense is a great offense or whatever. Uh I would I would uh, amend that and say your best defense is a great offense that holds on to the ball, mm-hmm. and we controlled the time of possession this past week with thirty eight and a half minutes, which is the most of any game this season. We got the thirty eight uh, minutes and nine seconds against UCLA um, earlier this year, but the next closest was about thirty three minutes, and then a lot of a lot of the other games this season has been around the thirty minute mark, so that would be even or maybe even slightly less than our opponent, like twenty nine, twenty eight minutes. So um, I I will I do want to say that as little as the offense had to show from the scoreboard, they did hold on to the ball for almost two thirds of this game, which I think helped the defense tremendously just from maintaining, you know, their stamina throughout the game. Um, But also just, you know, like, well, I guess that's it. (laughs) Keeping off the field. (laughs) But I mean, that's, that's a lot, that's a long time to be, to have the football 38 minutes. For sure. And I think it, it it also kind of goes with what you're saying of, of we just couldn't, whether it's field goals or touchdown, we were getting there into scoring opportunities uh, but but weren't able to convert at all, and so when you can't put points up, uh, time of possession sure. is is you know in part a, a product of how poorly Utah was at moving the ball, and so giving us the ball back after quick drives. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think 
something's got to give, and and hopefully that uh, that they have something in mind because against a team like Ohio State, uh, it's going to be imperative to to move the ball and to really capitalize on scoring opportunities because we all know they can score. Let's uh, let's talk about those Buckeyes for fourth down. They will be UW's opponents on January first, two thousand nineteen. Uh, what was your gut instinct when we when we get drawn against Ohio State and it's kind of the you know the tea leaves are coming out of you know if they beat uh, they beat Northwestern and they, you know that'll be that'll mm-hmm. be what it is. Uh, what was your first reaction? Are you excited? Are you anxious? Uh, all of the above? I am. I love everything about it. Uh, I was watching the Big Ten championship game with a couple friends this weekend and. I was telling them how I wanted Ohio State to win because I wanted to play Ohio State because it's just such a classic blue bloods like traditional matchup um, and it would I would it would be more traditional than playing like a Northwestern. They were arguing, well, you know, Northwestern is an easier opponent. Why wouldn't you want that? It's like, no, I want to play Ohio State. That's like that's the top of the Big Ten right there. Um, it's never happened before in the Rose Bowl, which is amazing. Um, that that UW has not played Ohio State before, especially given the fact UW and Ohio State have each played in the Rose Bowl. This will be their 15th time each, which ties for a third behind USC, who's appeared 34 times, and Michigan, who's appeared 20 times. Um, so pretty remarkable that we've never played the Buckeyes. Um, one cool thing about this matchup is the fact that we just faced the number one passing offense in the country in the, in the Cougars. And now we pace face the second best passing offense in the Ohio state Buckeyes who averaged 373 yards per game behind Dwayne Haskins, their quarterback, which is just about six yards less than what WSU and Gardner Minshew averaged this season. So that'll be really interesting to watch, uh, given the, uh, amazing playmakers we have in our secondary, as we all know. Mm-hmm. So um, hoping they can bottle up that passing attack, just like we were able to do um, in the Apple Cup. Obviously, we won't have the aid of snow in <laughs> Southern California, but uh, weirder things have happened, right? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would Ohio be- State is also giving up like 400 points per game on defense, which is <laughs> give or take or sorry yards on defense <laughs> yeah. uh which is awful uh 10 of their 12 games this season they've given up over 392 yards uh uw has only given up more than that three times auburn ucla and stanford so um i don't know it it kind of has like a lot of really good storylines here to mm-hmm. look at yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think that you know, if you want to, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. That's that's you know mm-hmm. one of those old annoying sl- slogans, but uh, it's it's true. And and you know, this is this is the reality. And you know, we have the last three postseasons had opportunities against Alabama, Penn State, and now Ohio State. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. And hopefully that this one can go a little bit differently than the other two. But that's this is this is a product of being a big boy program. And um, and so let's uh, let's go out and prove it. Uh, but sure. Ohio State stylistically, they run a ton of plays. They are very, it's Urban Meyer special, just, you know, no huddle, spread, pace, all of those things. So their offense will be a complete test for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Lake, like you said, has a chance to beat the top two passing offenses in the country, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the only difference between playing uh, Wazoo in the snow and playing Ohio State in the uh, wide open uh, beautiful well grass uh, in in Pasadena, uh, but is that UW won't be able to play that modified dime with three three down linemen, two or you know two linebackers, yep, and uh, and six defensive backs. 
not quite going to work. You got to be a little more stout up front because uh, sure. Ohio State has two NFL running backs and J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. Um, so this will be a test. And this, I think, is really going to come down to UW's offense if they can put points up because I just I don't see a scenario where we're going to hold Ohio State under, let's say, 24. And, and now it comes down to can this offense put up, um, you know, four touchdowns in a game which has mm-hmm. been awful tough a lot of the time. So uh, sure. it's uh, it's daunting, but but I like it. I like I like I, this challenge to really assess where this program's at. I will say though, the idea of Chris Peterson, Jimmy Lake, and company having a full month to game plan for this is really exciting. I can't wait to see what they come out with. Yeah, I thought that against Penn State last year too, and and Penn <laughs> State uh, Penn State bullied us a little bit. Um, but I will true, say. True. Penn State's receivers and tight ends were the problem of, of just how, how big they were. And uh, Ohio State is not like they're running a bunch of, you know, uh, Julian Edelman's out there. Uh, they go yeah. more like there was six. All, go ahead. There was that guy named Saquon Barkley, too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, he was fun. <laughs> right. And so much time and effort was probably spent game planning for him that, that sure. uh, yeah. how do you game plan for him and Mike Gesicki and a Deshaun Hamilton. But uh, Ohio State goes more like in the six foot, six one range uh, for their receivers. They're all great, uh, but a little bit more of a less of a size mismatch uh, for the unit of defensive back. So exciting. Uh, ending this part of it on a positive note. Chris Peterson at UW is three and four against uh, Pack or Power Five non-conference opponents. All of those wins came against Big Ten teams. Granted, those ah. Big Ten teams are Illinois and Rutgers twice, uh, but <laughs> ah, you don't need to mention. That. I shouldn't have mentioned. Next that. time you bring that up, don't mention. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sounds uh, way but yeah, that would be pretty funny if if uh, he adds that feather into his cap to go five hundred. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah big uh, big questions uh, for about how this game's going to go. Let's let's talk very briefly about the the John Conzano pieces in the Oregonian. All four of them are now out. Only two of them had come out the last time you and I spoke. Um, mm-hmm. Just so much has been said about this that that we can't already that we can't you know add in a ton of new information to this to this conversation. Um, I encourage you all to read them. But I'm I'm curious if if you had to encapsulate it, what what are your just big overarching thoughts from that from that series? Well, I'll, I'll list out the kind of the main facts here. Uh, first of all, it kind of talked about how Larry Scott is a lavish guy. He likes extrav- extravagance. Um, so he moved the, the Pac-12 offices to the Bay Area, which is an exorbitant amount of rent compared to their old location, Walnut Creek. So there's that whole issue. Um, there's the fact that he is making $4.8 million per year, which is way more than say the SEC commissioner at 1.9 or the big 10 commissioner at 2.4 million. Um, and all of this kind of complements the fact that revenue being generated on a member school basis or distributed to member schools is only at 31 million per year, um, which is about 10, you know, five to or six to 10 million less than other conferences, um, which is massive when you think about what you can do with that amount of money. You know, that's, you know, just a portion of that difference is a fully upgraded weight room or hiring a better offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or a better nutrition program, et right. cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. So that's a major issue right there. And he talks himself up as this, like, this 
president of a media company and great negotiator and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, any business savvy person or just someone who knows what's good, you know, what money is basically can tell (laughs) you can you can see that obviously it's not doing as well as other conferences just on the revenue that it's generating alone. Um, also went into the whole command center issue with Woody Dixon, Pac-12 general counsel and head of football, who influenced a uh, targeting no call, or to not be made in that USC-WSU game and how nothing has really changed on that front. And then um, there was also some... some uh, some quotes about how that kind of stuff has gone on constantly over the years um, and not just this instance with the USC WSU game. Um, And then just lastly, the fact that we are in 2018, I think the network launched in 2011. I might be mistaken, but it's somewhere around there. And the PAC 12 network is still not on direct TV. It's estimated that their reach Household reach is 17 and a half million compared to the Big Ten Network, 60 million, the SEC Network, 70 million. So just overall, you're losing in every facet of this, yeah. uh, this game. So yeah, it's just unfortunate. Exactly, and and what uh, you know, that's that's the key part of this is that to back up the expenses, you need to have proof of results, and they just don't have mm-hmm. that. Larry Scott will point to uh, the 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 Pac-12 being a, a media company, so you can't compare. It's apples to oranges, the company. Uh, so it's funny, Larry Scott said that and his spokesman said that in the, the story. So that is clearly something that they've talked about in meetings. Is that it's an apples to oranges conversation, so you can't make that comparison. Um, <laughs> that, that that pisses me off because it, it's you can call yourself a media company, but you're, before you were a media company, you were a conference. And then as a conference, your job is to have successful programs, uh, which you're yes. not having in the only Correct. places where you can make the money to to afford the media company that you're trying to make. Uh, no offense, but it's football and men's basketball are where you make your dough, and then the rest of your conference grows as a result of that. Uh, football is at, the, at a position where two straight years of not being in the pact in the the, the national championship conversation uh, can't really mm-hmm. see it happening. Um, us competing on a on a national level where we have multiple teams in the conversation uh, for quite some time. Men's basketball, yep. the Pac-12 conference is an absolute joke. Uh, we'll be lucky to yep. get three teams into the into the tournament this season. But Larry Scott again will say this is the conference of champions. Look how many cross country championships. Look how many volleyball championships. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The Pac-12 was already great in doing in in before you even got there. Winning volleyball yep. championships and cross country championships. You're on the West Coast. Of course, you're going to be better at those things. Um, yep. So so that's that's the frustrating part is that the results behind any of these these expenses, these stupid, um, you know, clearly efforts to do anything but save money in, a, in an era where money matters uh, in, in big time college athletics is is really uh, it, it's an insult to our intelligence that we can't figure it out that that you think that you can continue to to justify uh, the way you are doing business because you're different it's 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 <laughs> that that's just creating this straw man that that gets away from the fact that uh, the results just aren't there so it it was really frustrating, but I, I, I really, really appreciate the, the reporting from Kanzano because sure. it uh, it's did a lot to crystallize the kind of public perception of, of what is going on in that conference with some actualities. And also hearing from people like Rick Neuheisel um, and Bill Moose in that who have been who have mm-hmm. worked under Larry Scott before. 
to hear what they're thinking about it and they're being so so uh, so candid about their their criticism of the conference and their their genuine kind of uh, openness like Rick Neuhasel talking about yeah, you know, you you have to go out and recruit these these kind of you know big defensive linemen. It's just not happening in the Pac-12. Why you know connects it back to our our reach, like you talked about with the number of people watching games. It's all connected, and I um, I'm, I'm I'm very frustrated, but I think that uh, <laughs> justice will be served eventually. It's just um, mm-hmm. you would hope that the Pac-12 takes this as an opportunity to really assess how they're doing business. Um, but given everything, I just don't think that's going to happen, which is, which is unfortunate, but, uh, at least people know, and I don't think we were, we were at that point fully a week ago. So, so, uh, shouts out John Gazzano for, for all that yeah. reporting. Yeah. And this is a guy who sent out a internal video to all, uh, to all employees of the PAC 12 um, that he got a contract extension for five more years. And then he was really excited that everybody could continue on his, this journey to fulfill his, you know, vision. It's just like, really? Like, that's what you're going to do. I, I want to, I want to reiterate the fact that you said money matters. And in some cases it's all that matters. Mm -hmm. It's like the guy doesn't understand like what currency is and how it factors into society because there are revenue generating sports and there are non-revenue generating sports and the two revenue generating sports football and basketball as you mentioned we are underachieving by a long by a huge amount compared to other conferences and so the fact that he brings up the fact well we won more championships than anybody else any other conference this past year that's great and all but it doesn't matter at all if you're not generating any revenue in order to support your teams and to build them up and allow them to compete on a national level so the fact that he can't realize that is amazing because that's a harvard grad right there that is thinking that everything's fine and dandy when really it is a dying network and a dying conference that is losing ground every day. Mm-hmm. It's just really unfortunate to see a conference that was so high um, back in the early 2000s and the 90s and stuff. And just now it's it's kind of a laughing stock. Whenever you bring up the Pac-12 to like an SEC fan, they, they will just completely laugh at you. And... Like you, you'll see it first. Um, I think earlier this season, the UW basketball game at Auburn, uh, they were chanting SEC. The fans were after it, and they actually have a sense of pride <laughs> and in their ch- conference. Now, and that, they were chanting Pac-12 sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, so to be honest, like I've never had the urge to chant Pac-12, but that is a that is an example of them taking pride in their conference and. Um, I can't remember the last time I've taken any pride in the Pac-12 conference. So there's a lot of work to do. I don't think it's going to be done under the watch of Larry Scott. Unfortunately, we have probably like five or six more years. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but it's going to be a while. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens in 2024 when that TV contract comes up for expires. Uh, I think the only way we really see this working is if, they end up the Pac-12 ends up selling the Pac-12 network to a medium media conglomerate that operates it on their own, uh, which is the case with the Big Ten and the SEC. Because amazingly enough, conferences aren't really in the media business. Yeah. So 
Um, and and that would be a huge move, and they should do that. Guess who's still making plenty more money than us, uh, despite someone else owning their rights? Uh, Big T- Fox owns Big Ten. They're crushing us. And ESPN yep. owns the SEC network. They are crushing us as well. Um, yep. Yeah. My, my, the big question is, we can just end on this, is like, who, who's going to bat for Larry Scott other than Larry Scott right now? Like, like who is coming nobody. to his defense? And exactly, there's nobody. There's nobody saying that this, that other than Larry Scott, there's no one saying that these are mischaracterizations and, and all that. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 bleak. And I and I think that this is just, this is the opportunity to, to really turn around and fix it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, well, only time will tell whether they actually do that. Uh, staying in this, this conference slash media company, uh, one quick thought on all of the, the bowl designations for the rest of the conference. Uh, we'll just quickly whip around Fresno state plays Arizona state. One of the first bowl games I love this one. of the bowl mania. I love this one as well. Uh, my thought on this is that, uh, if Fresno wins, then, uh, they should be in the conference. Yeah, why not? I yeah. mean, we Rele- talked relegation. about who. <laughs> yeah, bring a little, uh, bring a little uh, soccer relegation and promotion theory into this. I like yeah. it. I mean, yeah. yeah, might as well. Yeah, Beeves uh, out, Bulldogs in. Ooh, I don't know if that's going to go over well. I'd rather see uh, us just ditch Oregon because everybody <laughs> hates them. Yeah, but uh, I'm a little biased. We need them though. Any any other thoughts on uh, Forks versus, versus Bulldogs here? Uh, Fresno State. Uh, I bet Fresno State's going to win. They're four and a half point favorite. Um, no Nikhil Harry. What was that? Oh, that's right. Good point. Um, I think I threw this stat your way a couple of nights ago, but uh, the whole stat involving Jeff Tedford, who's now the head coach at Fresno State, he took over that program when they were uh, I think they were one and eleven, and mm-hmm. and since then, he has, yeah. Jeff Tedford is now twenty one and six at Fresno State after taking over a one and eleven team. So absolutely remarkable job that he's done over the past few seasons there. So wouldn't be surprised if the Bulldogs do get that win over Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Pretty funny they they win the Mountain West and then get the chance to play like the seventh best era, uh, Pac twelve team. <laughs> That's um, uh, so, too bad. Yeah, it really is. Uh, to the Cheez It Bowl with Cal yes. and TCU. My question for this is, which type of Cheez It are we talking about? Because these are there's three uh, main Cheez Its in my book. Uh, there's the spicy green Tabasco ones. I don't know if you've had those. They're delicious. No. There's the artery clogging, um, just like heavy ass white <laughs> cheddar ones, and then there's yeah. the good old original. Uh, so two questions: which type of game will this be and then which of those is your favorite because they're all great um well the line is even right now so i think we're going to go with original just because that seems to kind of check out pretty straight up yeah Yeah, exactly i will say i did buy a box of cheetos last week for the first time in cheetos and cheese it's because or sorry cheese it's my bad um obviously not very uh familiar with them uh because i was like santon uh cheetos don't come in boxes sir so <laughs> uh yeah great point uh but i was very very happy with my purchase so uh happy to see that cheese it's have have uh made their way into the bowl season was yeah. not aware of that but yeah this will be a good game uh it's in a baseball stadium and chase field in arizona so that's a little unfortunate but at the same time you're looking at a California team. We talked about how good their defense is uh, against TCU, the Big Twelve. So I just am going to assume they don't play defense and they pl- <laughs> and they score a lot of points. So if that's the case, this should be a 
um, to take the words out of the Pac-12 and Larry Scott's mouth and apples to oranges type game. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it should be an interesting litmus test because uh, TCU played Ohio State was actually, I think, leading in the second or like early in the second half of that game. Uh, and mm-hmm. obviously we know what Cal did to, to, to Washington. So um, should be fun to see if, if TCU can move the ball against Cal, uh, that would be alarming. But if, if Cal can really stifle TCU, uh, that, that would bode well for how, uh, how the Rose Bowl is going to look. If you, if you follow my logic there, next one up sure. would be Ohio state versus Wazoo pumping oil in the Iowa Alamo state. Bowl. What did I say? You said Ohio, Ohio state. Oh God. We got to retape this. These would be the Cyclones. Yeah. Yeah. Run it back. Yeah. Iowa State (laughs) versus Wazoo uh, in the Alamo Bowl, sponsored by Oil Barons uh, Valero. My my real question here uh, is, will Mike Leach coach this game or will he be too fascinated by the the Alamo uh, and visit the Alamo and coach the game while wearing a coonskin hat and a muzzleloader rifle? Uh, screaming about Davy Crockett and how he's coming for for Reese Davis and for ESPN. That that does seem like something he would he would enjoy quite a bit. The Alamo, Alamo. Uh, remember, you always got to remember that one. Have to. Um, yeah, but uh, what are your thoughts on WSU and getting this game? There was a lot of talk about them not making a New Year's Six bowl. Do you think they deserve to be in? Uh, I think they got jobbed. I just I think that I think. So too. I, 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 I don't think that people, and this goes with everything, right? Like people don't see the value in putting Wazoo in their game because they lost to Washington. That was the one time they tuned mm-hmm. in. They saw that. They saw the, yeah. the whole Gardner Minshew thing just fall flat on its face in that game, which totally isn't fair for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that that team wasn't uh, exciting or worth putting in in the time to, to put them into the New Year's Six conversation. Um, but I think that, you know, you're going to see what Florida in and, you know, teams that are Penn state. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Penn state has at least some cash. Or no, did they not make it? Yeah. Uh, you're right. But yeah. So, so Wazoo just has such unlimited possibilities for, I mean, like a new year six game. Are you kidding me? You have like a week of asking Mike Leach questions and, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew tape to roll and all these things. I don't, I don't know. I just, I think that. Uh, the public perception of Wazoo was not not fair, and I think it, a lot of it came down to the Apple Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, another point about that, kind of going back to our Pac-12 uh, Larry Scott points earlier, uh, the Cougars had to come out and kind of lobby for themselves after that, uh, that uh, college football playoff rankings came out before the conference championship weekend where they were – uh, 13th and it just I, I know some people were surprised that the coops had to come out and lobby for themselves and there was nothing from the conference that um, spoke up for them I, I think some people assumed that a conference would maybe take that upon themselves a bit uh, but obviously we're not really going to expect anything from the Pac-12 so yeah. So, but thought that was an interesting point. On to the Holiday Bowl with Utah and Northwestern. Uh, I didn't officially look this up, but I would guess that the over/under for this game would be eleven, based off of how how good these offenses are. Let's see here. It is forty-five actually. Wow, that's kind of <laughs> wild. Yeah. What? That's pretty. Yeah. Okay. Did anyone see Utah on, on Friday? <laughs> they scored three points. 
Wow. Uh, uh, they North- are a six and a half a point six and a half point favorite though. Um, I don't know. I I take the Utes in this one. Yeah, Why not. I think so too. I, Northwestern, um, you know, a new favorite school of mine. Had some time to visit there over the last few months. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I just don't think that they really have the talent to move the ball against a really good Utah defense. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm into that. Britton Covey is is out. I assume it, his knee looked oh, pretty messed up, or at least it sounds like it. So they're going to be missing him. But uh, as we mentioned in last week's podcast, he's not really been performing that great, anyways, in recent weeks. So um, they may not miss him as much as they think they will. Yeah, who knows? UW was uh, was doing the full like, uh, what's the Monty Python thing where they're just cutting off the the dude's like appendages. And that oh they, yeah, they they finally got to Britton Covey's knee after getting to the rest of his body. Um, <laughs> Just a flesh one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oregon and Michigan State, little Sparty Cup action. I fully expect yeah. Oregon to uh, to do this because I think this is the game where they uh, really put a spotlight on Justin Herbert and uh, really want to show people how good he is. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm that's true. I do I do love Sparty. You gotta like their defense too. Um, where Oregon's obviously known for their high-powered offense, or they have been at least over the past few years. So it's kind of like a complete opposite matchup. I would love to see the Spartans win, and nobody is as surprised to hear that from me. Yeah, uh, yeah. ASU beat Michigan State earlier in the season, as we all remember. Yep. Um, so that is the the one common opponent. I actually don't know if Oregon played ASU this season should but i don't um but uh but yeah it should be fun games against michigan state they always... did there you go they played them they beat them by two uh the week before the civil war at home game against michigan state are always 15 percent more cracked out than than most games are um <laughs> so so that'll be a fun one to tune into on the same nights we have pitt versus stanford uh there was uh i guess there was a headline in this the i think there's the mercury news it was like uh, Stanford is play, going to the Sun Bowl to play a six and six team. They didn't even mention Pitt uh, in in that, <laughs> which is super funny. My reaction is that Stanford is going to win by one hundred in this game because Pitt is no good. Yeah, hey, Pitt made it to the ACC title game though, <laughs> man. Come on, uh, they're seven and six. Stanford is a six and a half point favorite. Um, yeah, I take Stanford too. I think the biggest loser of this is the fact that you have to go to El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. which is not really the nicest place to go. Um, so I just wish them luck in that whole venture. I'm happy we are not going there and haven't had to go there in quite some time. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's it for Pac-12 Capital One uh, Media Company Bull Mania. Uh, let's head to <laughs> let's head to uh, how we end every podcast talking about our great cats and uh, kind of guys of the week. Sure. Uh, who do you have for the great cat this week? I have a couple. Uh, my first is the Pac-12 championship game in general. Like oh, this, God. the overall attendance, 35,000 tickets sold, but probably only half of that amount was actually in the stadium. But Larry Scott uh, bought 15,000 of those tickets. Yeah, exactly. Probably. I mean, this just needs to get totally revamped. This is awful on so many levels. The fact we talked about it last week, but the fact it's on a Friday, the fact it's at five o'clock, uh, 
in a very, very tough place to get in the Bay Area, um, removed sort of. It sounds like it's out, it's out in Santa Clara, right? So it's kind of not even really in a city center, not near uh, a lot of transportation. I don't know. It's just bad. It's just bad. Little I mean, context. it's it's the it was the it was the worst the worst attended Power Five uh, championship game, and I'm not even looking at the numbers. I just know that for a fact. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, the, the the cheapest ticket to the Mountain West Conference had more expensive, uh, cheapest tickets available than the Pac-12 championship game. So that's that's one of mine, at least. Um, anything to add on that front, or did yeah. I hit all the bases? <laughs> Little context for just how how dumb it is to have that that game in Santa Clara on a Friday at 5 p.m. on the West Coast. Uh, good friend of of the uh, the podcast, Sam Sheehan. Know you're listening. Uh, what's up, Sheehan? Uh, lives in SF, uh, said it took him mm-hmm. or would take him two and a half hours door to door to go to from, oh. San, from San Francisco, uh, where he lives to, uh, to the game, uh, which if you're asking people to just not take off a day of work, uh, heading into the day, the season where you're going to take off a bunch of days of work, uh, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, yeah, so, I could board a plane, which is a flying metal object <laughs> and go several hundred, if hundred miles down the coast and get there in quicker time than that. That's yeah. absurd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. At um, least to the city itself. Yep. And uh, so my, my great cat this week was anyone who thought Georgia should have been in the playoff after losing to Alabama. Um, I thought that, mm. that was absurd because, yep. um, you know, losses kind of matter. Otherwise, let's just pick the playoff before the season starts. And then also – That is true. Urban Meyer for retiring and doing what uh, what I'm worried about here, which is if we remember that uh, Jerome Bettis was retiring after the Super Bowl oh. 2006 in yeah. his little homecoming, yep. and that became the entire media story was about how Jerome Bettis is trying to do this for Detroit yep. and and all this, and uh, then they won and it sucked, and I'm worried that Urban Meyer retiring is going to cast a similar shadow for this game. It definitely will. That was the first thing I texted you this morning when I saw the news. It's like, this is going to totally overshadow the fact that we are also playing this game. I mean, it's Ohio State, so we're already going to get a little bit less of the coverage, I bet. But uh, now it's not not even a question. It's yeah. going to be all Ohio State and Meyer, uh, which is too bad because that's one of the last guys in the country, at least from a college football standpoint, that should be getting attention after the season, given yeah. <laughs> what he didn't do he's the great cat um, for another reason as well uh, yeah always yeah. every single week but very uh, very true but that and speak of speaking of georgia that was also my other great cat um but more so for the fact that they blew a 21-7 lead versus bama which comes after blowing a 20-7 lead in the third quarter of last year's national title game that 21-7 lead this past weekend was also in the third quarter um, so those back-to-back games against Bama that they've that they've uh, given up a multiple touchdown lead in the second half to go on and lose to Alabama. The comparisons don't even end there because it's also the second straight year that they did that in the Georgia Dome, and then also that they did that and then knocked the uh, Alabama starting quarterback out of the game and had the backup quarterback come in <laughs> and lead that comeback, uh, which is yeah, go pretty freaking wild. Uh, that that happened Um, and that really sucks but uh, you just have to deal with that and you will not be in the playoff I'm sorry Uh, to the our kind of guy section uh, easy one Byron Murphy two picks in that game pass defense at the end of that game who cares if it was a PI or not it was badass 
uh, he uh, he is so fun to watch. His ball skills, Jimmy Lake remarked on, uh, are fantastic. He is just one of those. I remember when I used to play Madden back in like 2005 or so. Uh, I had mm-hmm. I would like play on you know like easy or whatever, and I had a season where uh, Marcus Trufant had like like 60 interceptions or something like that. And uh, <laughs> I feel like Byron Murphy, like Byron Murphy is playing like easy mode. He's on rookie Marcus mode. Trufant, exactly. Um, right now. So uh, shouts out Byron. Yeah, that was also my OKG. I have nothing more to add. You touched on it all. The guy is incredible. And this is, you know, really enjoy this final game because you probably won't be seeing him in purple and gold next season. Uh, I'll probably be playing on Sundays. So Enjoy it while you have it. Yeah, he'll be playing for the Vikings next year, so he purple and gold uh, still might still might oh, fly. But okay. yeah, okay. Um, I have two more. One is to a, a group of people: uh, Spencer Hall, Jason Kirk, Ryan Nani, and Holly Anderson for the uh, shutdown full cast run through SB Nation. It is hilarious. Like I, I would like to think that you might chuckle a couple times during this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but they are so freaking funny uh, talking college football in a very unique way. Uh, they made me laugh this week nice. because they called Auburn. Uh, the Pac-12 champions because of the transitive property that, that <laughs> UCF was able to use uh, last year. Um, so oh, yeah. Auburn is now Pac-12 champions by virtue of beating uh, beating UW. That was hilarious. <laughs> They're hilarious. You should really listen to them. Uh, in addition to us, uh, you have to now keep listening to us because we told you mm. about them. Uh, and we then the last to. one, it's just kind of fitting, ending this season, Ben Burkirvan, uh for three things. Yeah. First of all, Scholar Athlete of the Year. Uh, that very difficult comparative lit, uh, you know, major talking big film buff, uh, like what he's doing, right? This big, big film, hey room, now. Hey now. big film room <laughs> guy in a couple different ways, right? He's breaking down okay. tape and then looking at, uh, looking at, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Polanski films. And then uh, defensive <laughs> player of the year in the conference as when it was announced just before we got on the air. And then lastly, mm-hmm. for the quote of the year, uh, as he ate a rose after the game and said, <laughs> quote, tastes like plants, um, which is, you know, just brutally honest and, you know, duh. But uh, he didn't even try and hype up the moment or anything. He's just like, tastes like plants. Uh, get this rose out of my freaking mouth. Uh, so Counselor. beautiful, beautiful I, stuff from BBK. I have I have one more, um, which I'm glad I remember it because this is definitely worth mentioning. Uh it's Miles Gaskin and Race Porter for earlier last mm. week uh, visiting a Husky fan who was terminally ill um, and making her day by by just going and seeing her and spending time with her. Unfortunately, news came out that she has since passed. So um, wow. even more so, uh, I just you know hats off to those guys for taking it upon themselves to make someone stay, especially in such a trying time for themselves and their family. So hats off to those two as well. Damn. Good stuff. I really appreciate you, uh, you pulling that. Cause I had forgotten that. And, mm-hmm. uh, that, that was, uh, that was worth mentioning. So, uh, good stuff from those gentlemen. Uh, Miles Gaskin was probably our winner, uh, this season of, of most our OKG mentions. Uh, but I think yep. B- BBK might've gotten there close, uh, especially oh, yeah. towards the end well, of the season. I'll have to look back on my notes. Yeah. I have I have the notes for every every episode this season, so I'll go I. look back at least from what I have. 
But I'm sure one of our super loyal listeners could just tell us because they've been keeping track. The sure. Whole season. That would yeah. Be, yeah. We'll just wait. Yeah. Hit so us we'll, up on Twitter. We'll wait for the submissions to roll in. Uh, this, <laughs> this was great as always. Thank you, Stanton, for uh, for your time. We will be talking soon, talking a little more specifics on the Ohio State preview uh, as we get closer to bowl season. We might even be in person for that as I make my pilgrimage home to Seattle. Oh, uh, boy. Maybe by the – uh... Maybe in the McDonald's parking lot by the dumpster, yeah. like that lost uh, Utah basketball podcast. It's, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that because people would have been asking a lot of questions as to why you suggested that location specifically. <laughs> um, yes, really need to clarify. exactly. <laughs> uh, there's there's history at that spot. Uh, Stan and I have recorded a, a podcast in McDonald's. I think it would only be fair if we did it again in Gilman. Um, so uh, let's let's plan on that. But uh, but thank you, sir. Like I said, and uh, and go dogs as always. Go dogs! We're going to the Rose Bowl. How about it? Make it easy, sir. Thanks again for listening to all of you out there. If you like our stuff, tell a friend, tell a fellow dog about how you know we bring the heat every single week. Much appreciated, and uh, you'll hear from us next week. Peace.